0: Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is...
1: It's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Hello Ian, hello listener.
0: Hi Matt, let's get the wheel spinning. Off it goes. I've
1: just
0: just noticed you're wearing an interesting t-shirt there Matt. BBC Football, CFAX page. Yeah, can you see what it says on it? Sadly I can, it says Sunderland 1, Tramia Rovers 0. Yes! Yes! My
1: pride and joy. It's <laughs> when we beat you in the pizza cup. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and that was the uh, that was the fabled time that Sunderland uh, put to bed the ghost of uh, not being able to win at Wembley. Yes, or the curse of not it. being able to That's win it. at Wembley. Um, I might get a CFAX T-shirt made up of uh, Tramia playing with a with one man extra <laughs> against <laughs> Sunderland in the yeah, FA Cup back in, I think, year 2000 or 1999 or something. But that, <laughs> those are the days. Um, the topic for this episode... Yeah, Matt,
1: the wheel stopped, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> the wheel stopped. But look, it's, um, it's, it's out of bounds. And I'm going to take this one, if that's all right with you.
0: Could, before we take it, Matt, can we just explain to our listeners who might not know what CFAX is?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. OK, so this this is a T-shirt I've had made up. Specifically to taunt Ian with, because it's when my team, (laughs) Sunderland, beat his team, Tranmere, in the cup final. CFAX is uh, sort of the 80s and 90s way of getting information pre-internet from your TV. Um, I think people are aware of it. I think our listeners are aware of it, Ian.
0: (laughs) I don't know, because they didn't have an equivalent in Australia for Australian Mm, listeners. And so the bizarre button that you'd press on your TV and then basically get like... A form of the internet wasn't it? We but you had to wait for the pages. Yeah, it so looked sometimes, like, like or something. Yeah, and it all <laughs> yeah.
1: Looked, it was just really basic, but very, very good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I remember they they
0: used to have the the football scores on a loop but there'd be like about 32 pages. And if you just missed your page, you'd have yeah. to sit there and wait for them to loop all yeah. the way through every result.
1: <laughs> um, but anyway, out of bounds, out of bounds. Yes. I'm really glad that that needled you this t-shirt. It's uh, it's worth the investment <laughs> <laughs> out of bounds. Yes. I'll take it on Ian. And I'm going to tell you the story of Shergar, the wonder horse, um, an Irish horse and the mystery surrounding this horse. I, I, familiar with the story no uh, but i'm familiar with the name shergar because
0: it's it's a name that is very familiar because people refer to shergar qu- quite a lot like and it's quite strange that i don't know the story and i'm sure most people are in that boat where they've heard shergar but they don't actually know the details of the story, so I'm actually really looking forward to this.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, because that's exactly how I came upon this story. Somebody compared Shergar to Lord Lupin, and I thought, well, I don't know about <laughs> Lord Lupin, but I feel like I should. It's this famous mystery, uh, but I'm not too, too familiar with all of the details. So I looked into it, and it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, so Shergar's a horse, an Irish horse, uh, from Kildare, uh, which is a county in Ireland, not far from Dublin, uh Shergar was born in March of 1978. Um, now, it's owned by the Aga Khan, who is one of the richest royals in the world. Uh, he's the spiritual leader to like 15, 15 million Ismaili Muslims. And Shergar is a is a horse. So one of the things I found out about re- when I was doing my research is all thoroughbreds in the world can trace their lineage back to free horses. Now, when I read this, I thought that meant literally three <laughs> horses, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, think, yeah. It, I don't <laughs> think it is. I think it's three three uh, types of horses that were sort of brought over from the Middle East in sort of the later seventeenth and early eighteenth century, and all thoroughbreds, all all sort of stallions uh, can can sort of trace themselves back to back to these sort of free three specific uh, types, these distinct horses. So it's a bit like
0: the. The British royal family—it's like they—they they can trace their lineage back to three horses as well. <laughs> very
1: good, <laughs> very very good. That's if it. you actually take a close
0: look at their teeth, there is a resemblance <laughs> there. But uh, yeah, but it is a bit like a royal line, isn't it? It's like you know, the, that's why they're thoroughbreds is because oh, there's that lineage, that royal, the blue blood.
1: That's it. Yeah, and and there's there's uh, you know, like the royals. Uh, there's a lot of money involved with with these guys, especially for a good horse. And Shergar is is a great horse. So, by 1981, Shergar's moved from Ireland over to Newmarket in England, and is now being trained by one of the most sought after trainers in the world. And obviously has been has been really looked after and invested in because it's such a, a strong horse. It's, it's had a few wins. And it's actually chosen as the stables derby runner. They choose a 19-year-old jockey called Walter Swinburne, who's one of the youngest... I think he's the youngest jockey in the race, and and obviously at 19 would be one of the youngest jockeys uh, around. But the Epsom Derby, which uh, Swinburne is going to race Shergar at, is sort of seen, I think, as one of the greatest races in the world. You know, we've we've obviously talked about it in a previous podcast. It really is... um, You know it's a prestigious race, and uh, Shergar goes in as the favourite, and absolutely kills it. Um, There's a great story that uh, the second the horse that finished second, uh, Glint of Gold, um, the jockey riding that horse actually thought he'd won the race. That's how far ahead Shergar was of the of the pack. (laughs) Isn't that absolutely (laughs) incredible? the, uh, the 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 commentary is fantastic in this race. It says only one horse in it. You need a telescope to see the rest, and I just love it. Wow. You know, it's it's incredible. Shergar wins by such a distance. It is, it's amazing. It's amazing. So this is nineteen eighty one. How does that happen? And, How does uh, that
0: happen? Like the one horse could be so much better.
1: Well, this is it. And quicker? In, in 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 you know. The whole world sort of takes note of this because, as I say, the Epsom Derby is such a prestigious race. And now they move forward, uh, and Shergar goes home to compete in the Irish Derby. And this time is going to be raced by Lester Piggott, who's seen as sort of the greatest jockey of all time. So you're sort of pairing up one of the greatest horses of the era uh, with. Maybe the greatest jockey of all time. Again, somebody we've covered in an, in a previous podcast. Yeah, if you want to listen
0: to a previous episode on Lester Piggott, we go through it. We don't mention Shergar very much
1: or at all. Maybe I don't think we do touch but... on Shergar. No, yeah. but but look, uh, uh, he gets the win. Shergar gets the win, as uh, as you probably expect. Um, and it was interesting, Lester Piggott actually. And in, in uh, some footage I found talks about Shergar. And, and says that you'd have to consider Shergar one of the fifth or sixth best horses, of all, sorry, in the top five or six horses of all time. That's how highly uh, Piggott rates Shergar. It, it, and, the, and the argument being, you don't win these Derby races by such a margin unless you're one of the best. And they did. So Shergar did. Shergar absolutely killed it. Um, so now Aga Khan is, Sher, Shergar's obviously you know, really caught the attention of the racing world, is you know, arguably one of the hottest hottest properties in the world. And Aga Khan, um, the owner, uh decides to sell shares in Shergar. So is that why it's called Shergar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> um so he's uh he gives out shares and there's investors buying uh from all over the world and one of the shares actually goes to the horse's vet. Um, who we'll talk about uh talk about later on but that so the vet has a as a share in the horse is is this common maths
0: like for i don't know very much about r- horse racing and stuff but i imagine it's quite common to for people to sell shares of a racehorse i've heard of it, heard about it happening
1: yeah yeah i think it's pretty normal i think you can you can own a bit of a horse um you know, and it just because they're so expensive to run. You know, with the all of the costs of the trainers and the, especially a, a thoroughbred, you know, elite horse like this. You know, the stable cost everything. It, it, it's a moneyed, it's a moneyed industry, isn't it? And it, it, it is expensive. Obviously, the Aga Khan has the money, but you know, I guess is thinking uh, he's not he's not too concerned about that, and he's happy to sort of share the wealth a little bit. But uh, they decide they decide that Aga Khan, sorry, the Shergar is going to have one more race. At Ascot, the Royal Ascot, before basically being put out to stud. And Shergar wins, and uh, that's it. Sort of Aga Khan, the Aga Khan, who's the majority shareholder, decides to retire um, Shergar after three major wins. And now this is where the real money can be made. Shergar's valued is, is about £10 million, pounds. and uh, there's a great quote. Uh, from somebody who says 10 million pounds for horse wow that's that's two and a half million pounds per leg and somebody said no 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 the legs aren't worth anything it's the it's the fifth leg the one you can't see that's worth the full 10 <laughs> 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 because because the real value here is in the breeding as i said uh, <laughs> every thoroughbred is can be traced back and, and to have you know your little baby horses, whose dad is Shergar, the wonder horse, people are going to be paying a lot of money for that, um, and and they do. They they're paying, they're paying a lot of money. So Shergar does one uh, one breeding season. Uh, he's put out to stud. He's put with forty four mares uh, throughout the season uh, at eighty eight thousand pounds per go. Um, and so he's fully booked throughout nineteen eighty two. Fully booked.
0: Yeah. Hey, this is this story is taking a real turn. I'm sure this is quite normal, but is it kind of normal for uh you know to win why why didn't he just keep racing?
1: I guess the risk is that the horse would become injured and would be would have to be put down.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, cuz if like a horse breaks its leg or something you just get the old bolt through the head, don't they?
1: Exactly. And and obviously then your the 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 whole value of the horse is gone. This is a horse that's won not just won but dominated major races, and logically why why damage the reputation? you know there's almost more uh, you know from a sporting perspective, perhaps not, but commercially, the most sensible thing to do is retire the horse, leave everybody talking you know and 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 the horse is is famous it's it's bizarre Shergar, after winning an ascot, is sent back to Ireland. And as a national hero, thousands of people, thousands of Irish people, actually come out into the streets to welcome the horse home. Um, <laughs> it's 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 remarkable. Um, and and there's this idea. Look, Ireland at this time is going through uh, a, a, sort of an economic recession. You know, it's it's but but it's a wash. Well, the horsing world is is a wash with money. So there's an idea, and the Irish government um, are involved in this. They're trying to make it favourable as a place for breeding horses. Um, so obviously having Shergar there is, is going to be huge. And the idea is that there'll be mares flown in from all over the world to breed in Ireland. Um, the Irish government set up some some sort of tax uh, things that are quite favourable. And the idea is that that can sort of stimulate at least part of the economy by having part of Ireland, especially around Kildare, as uh, as horse country and, and sort of a breeding ground And Shergar is going to be a big part of that. Do you think if just
0: theoretically Matt, if Shergar, the horse could could talk <laughs> do, you think, do you think that do you think that the horse would want to carry, to carry on racing or do you, do you think that actually it's quite a nice life
1: to be it's speculation you know, it's, by, yeah. by appointment mean, <laughs> 44 mares in a, in a in a season you know that's a that's busy isn't it, it? by anybody's it sounds a lot. anybody's schedule that's <laughs> it does sound, it does sound a lot i think
0: i was lucky to be of a generation who just missed out on tinder <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I imagine like it it sounds like a lot of admin yeah, i wow. mean trying to work the emotions it would be uh, yeah, but it, look, it sounds like a nice outcome for Shergar. Yeah, and maybe. It, Ireland does have a, a heritage, doesn't it? In a, quite a, a, a lineage of um, uh, track record of breeding horses, and, and it's, particularly in a horse racing world. it's oh, like definitely. The, uh, Ireland is very prominent, isn't it? In terms of trainers, in terms of horses, in terms of knowledge and, and uh, ability there. So it seems like a perfect match.
1: Yeah, 100%, absolutely. And yeah as I say you know he's he's had a busy 82 and we now come to 83 he's fully booked for the 83 breeding season um as I say going for 88,000 a go and this is sort of where the uh the story twists i suppose um and where the way that where the sort of intrigue begins because Shergar the 10 million pound horse Ireland's most valuable property I uh, I saw <laughs> I saw read somewhere <laughs> <laughs> um, is kidnapped, is is kidnapped by the IRA at gunpoint, um, and this starts a mystery that is worldwide and still uncovered un- to today. It's it's absolutely incredible.
0: Wow! So the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, yeah. Who at the at the time? What year is this?
1: Well, this is it. I've got I've got all of the history here. So this is in 1983. So uh, without sort of getting too much into the. Um, the political side of it look the fact
0: no go on go on <laughs>
1: Matt. we've got time the ira is a, is a paramilitary group on the republican side uh, of the troubles uh, in the battle against uh, britain with the ultimate goal of a united Ireland and ending british rule so um the ira has fought this long and bloody battle against britain it goes all the way back to the easter uprising of 1916 and the, the uh, the Irish Republic gaining independence from the United Kingdom in 1921 but in 1921 Northern Ireland had remained part of the United Kingdom which was the thing that the IRA weren't happy about their, their ultimate goal was a united Ireland uh, and to end British rule there. so from sort of the late 60s through to the late 90s there was uh, this period of conflict and trouble uh, known as the Troubles and by the 80s look, the IRA are sort of running out of money but like all paramilitary organizations they they need money to fund their campaigns and you know running out of money they they're looking at things to do you know bank robbery has become more difficult um so one of the things that they turned to was kidnapping and ransoms um and they've done it successfully with uh, a couple of couple of individuals um but they decided uh, possibly a good way to do it would be to kidnap Shergar, this ten million pound how uh, horse house, ten million pound horse. Um, I mean, kidnapping a
0: house. I wouldn't put it past the IRA to to uh, come up with the idea. I'm sure. You, you know, I do imagine the the IRA kind of sat in the uh, in the control room, decide, You know, what things did they reject? <laughs> like, you know, in their plan. What did they say no to? It's like, if kidnapping a horse is something that you actually go through with, what did they say no to? That would fascinate me. What would the ideas um, have been? But I'm sure they would have be been very creative.
1: Well, the, pl- the plan to a point made sense because they didn't feel that the Aga Khan would be politically involved and would want to protect his investment. Um, also, they didn't think that pe- you know, maybe the police would be too bothered about investigating the theft of an animal. Uh, as opposed to stealing a person so it's you know there are there is some logic to the plan unfortunately um it probably doesn't plan out quite quite as as they hoped because ultimately no ransom was paid it's a it's a really terrifying story so jim fitzgerald is the head groom who lives uh near not with but, but you know uh, on the, sta- at the stables um, <laughs> that, nearby, uh, this story would have taken another turn
0: had he <laughs> turned out he was in no no room for those forty four mares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now he's down at Ballymally, and um, Jim Jim Fitzgerald's there. There's a knock at the door. He's there with all his family, his wife, and this knock at the door. He opens it, and there's all these gangsters there with guns, um, and they tell him what they want so he says, okay, uh, so off he goes, and he gets Shergar, and puts Shergar in the back of a horse box, and some of the gangsters drive off with, with the, the horse box, and Shergar, but then three other gangsters, kidnap Jim at gunpoint, and put him in another vehicle, and drive off, and obviously at this, you know, he is absolutely terrified, you know, there's people disappearing, you know, there's, there's this period of, of civil war, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, the troubles, um, But people are being disappeared. You know, over 2,000 people, nearly 2,500 people have been killed in the conflict by this time. So Jim Fitzgerald is is obviously terrified. But look, a couple of hours later, he's released about 40 minutes from where he was taken with the code word King Neptune. And he's obviously told, you know, not not to sort of go to the police uh, or anything, but naturally, you know, he needs to alert the authorities. But, you know, it's back in 1983. There's no mobile phones or anything so it takes him quite a bit of time you know he's in rural ireland just to get onto anybody and let them know so it's actually eight hours before the detectives arrive at the stud at ballymally to start investigating so the kidnappers have got this huge time advantage you know in eight hours you could get pretty much anywhere in ireland and you could you could be out of ireland you know on a car you could you could be you could be away so Particularly if you're on the back of a fast horse. <laughs> I don't know if they rode the horse or I mean,
0: who's gonna be if you jump on the back of Shergar, who's gonna catch you? <laughs>
1: That's excellent. Can't catch me. <laughs> um but yeah, so 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 the police start investigating and the media are, are tipped off. So um they they turn up at the the stud uh, and start you know, asking questions, there's lots of like prank and crank calls coming in and uh, all of these sort of, you know, the the typical sort of uh, nutters just calling in with with hoax and daft information about it. But eventually, uh, later that day, a phone call does come through with the code word King Neptune and they demand £2 million in payment um, as a ransom. Now this is where it gets you know difficult because they they they're saying we're going to kill the horse if you want to see the horse again we want 2 million pounds but you've got to remember there's 40 owners now of the horse and a lot of those owners would own other horses so they 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 had concerns or some of them had concerns about paying a ransom because it would encourage more kidnappings or horse nappings um whereas other people you know felt so passionately for the horse and were so concerned about its welfare that they just wanted to pay it and just do whatever it took but obviously trying to get 40 people around to agree on a thing to pay the ransom is it's not easy so it's now three days after the kidnapping and no ransom's been paid um but then there, there's so many so many remarkable things going on. On day three, the kidnappers, or people claiming to be the kidnappers, call the BBC and tell them to send three really well known sports journalists to a hotel in Belfast. Now, for these journalists, you know, a trip to Belfast, which is sort of, you know, the epicentre of all of the the troubles in Civil War, that's that's not sort of a holiday they're looking forward to. And they're being summoned by these would be Kidnappers, Um, and they're they're told that when they arrive, they're going to get further instructions. So you've got these journalists, you know, terrified, heading off to uh, to the to the to Belfast. They didn't go, did they?
0: They did. (laughs)
1: did. Surely you would have called
0: in sick for that day because I if if they've disappeared, a a horse worth ten million pound. I'm sure they could dispatch a uh, sports journalist from the a few BBC. journalists,
1: yeah. Well, the journalists get there and the phone rings and one of them answers it. And he's now given instructions to go to a, uh, a quite well-known racing family's house, um, the Maxwells. So they then are told, you need to drive there and we'll give you more instructions. So they set off and they're stopped on this country lane um, by armed men in balaclavas all pointing guns. And obviously the journalists were terrified. Fortunately, it was the police. (laughs) And they said, (laughs) look, (laughs) we've got the police wiretapped, you know, we're trying to work it out. And so they go to this house and there's a few phone calls between the journalists and these kidnappers. Um, And now they're demanding £40,000. And then they call back and say they've killed the horse horses dead now this is all so weird and surreal nobody really knows what this is about and but i think the assumption is the sort of m- what most people feel is that this was a bit of a hoax to distract the police um and distract the media whilst the real kidnappers or maybe they were they were the real kidnappers but either way whilst the kidnappers were actually in direct contact with the Aga Khan's office. Um, And we're negotiating the ransom directly with the Aga Khan. Um, And obviously that's sort of taking place away from the the media and police spotlight. So again, a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue. And still, we don't really know what's happening. Meanwhile, obviously you can imagine the media interest. I told you, when this horse comes back, thousands of people turn up in Dublin to meet the horse you know, this is this is a, a very popular horse in a country that loves horse racing. Um, the amount of media attention is, is remarkable. You've got clairvoyants, you've got psychics, you've got songs being recorded and released. You know, it's in the newspapers every single day. Uh, all these talking heads with their opinions, people guessing where it is. You've got skulls being found and turned in. You know, you had... Uh, the police said, "Oh, we think we've got Shergar." And the vet turned up to check, and he said, "No, well, it isn't Shergar because the uh, this this one's got like sort of hairy legs, like woolly legs, and a, um, a, a thoroughbred doesn't have that. You know, a thoroughbred has got very smooth legs, especially around the the, the sort of feet area, the horse's hoofs." <laughs> uh, so he says, "That's not that's not Shergar." The next one they found a skull, and he said, uh, "Oh, we think we found Shergar's skull." And again, he had to be very polite and. You know, not not disrespectful, but he clearly wasn't Shergar, the, the the wonder horse, because it was a it was a bovine skull as opposed to an equine skull.
0: <laughs>
1: so, I love the idea they've got like
0: psychics and clairvoyants who oh, who, who somehow will uh, direct people uh, to Shergar, but mm. can't use their powers to predict the outcome of the race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, in, in Very horse racing. Good um wow this a, is it seems like a circus matter it's like it's, it's absolutely it, a circus it's no wonder it's Shergar is referenced still in in common culture because it seems like this would have kind of dominated the news site and as I suppose the longer it goes on it it doesn't get less in the news it'll probably snowball like yeah. the more people get involved the more art. and then it's it seems to me like it would be a story that, you know, months down the line, in the newsroom somewhere, they're like, "We haven't got a story." Oh, we'll just say uh, we found a new lead on Shergar.
1: <laughs> you know, like Definitely. it would Definitely. just be like that, the that ultimate filler. The um, the the detective uh, investigating the the case, you know, he became a bit of a media. Darling, you know, he's very charismatic. He's out there every day, sort of giving the media updates. You know, but the, the, the world's media are absolutely focused on this story. Um, and meanwhile, Shergar's still not there. Very few people are coming forward. You know, understandably, there's the fear of the IRA and repercussions. So there's very little information being held. And then eventually, the kidnappers start to lose patience. Uh, I say eventually, and it's, it's only three days after the kidnapping. But they leave this blunt and final message, which is: if our demands are not satisfied, that's it. Now, no ransoms paid. There's no more calls. And basically, it it just it starts to go cold. You know, there's this worldwide search going on, and not much more information. Nobody can really sort of find out what's what's happening. You know, nobody sort of seems to know where where Shergar is. So, there's an assumption that. Shergar's possibly dead, um, but you know to this day the case is open. Uh, it's unresolved. There's still the search for the remains. Um, but but how's this? There's the I mentioned earlier the vet, uh, his name's Stan Cosgrove. He wanted his um, you know his his share, understandably, um, from uh, from the insurance. But the insurance company refused to pay out because they said there's no proof that Shergar's dead um so he's now trying you know he's he's sort of on doing his own campaign to try and find out what's happened to Shergar and then there's this there's this whole really strange incident involving the Irish police and it's a bit of a cock-up really because Stan Cosgrove ends up giving 80,000 pounds of his own money to the police to manage to as a as a um, basically as a bit of a bribe to somebody who says they have information on Shergar which would then obviously lead to the insurance company paying out but ultimately this guy Stan Cosgrove is defrauded and the police cock up and the money is stolen and Stan Cosgrove is now 80 grand out of pocket Um, and yeah this I mean a policeman got fired over it but quite a junior policeman and certainly the feeling was that the, uh, the police, uh, you know, sort of the, the senior police all sort of, you know, st- stepped away from the incident and said they didn't know anything about it when they certainly did. And they, uh, they hung this younger guy out to dry. So he got fired and Sam Cosgrove never got his money. Um, because apparently, yeah, there's still no proof that this horse is dead. And that was, that was until this guy, uh, called Sean O'Callaghan, who's an IRA informant, um, comes forward. Uh, he's in prison. He's a, a, what they call a supergrass, and he says that he has information about Shergar, and and basically his story is that Shergar was dead within 24 hours of being kidnapped. That during that kidnap, the horse got very agitated and was kicking, and and they had to the kidnappers had to stop driving a few times because the horse was just so obviously uh, upset and agitated. And during this, the horse, Shergar's actually broken or fractured its leg. And these kidnappers, these gangsters, didn't know what to do. You know, they weren't vets. Um, so they felt there was nothing else to do but, but shoot the horse there. And that was uh, that was it. The horse was killed.
0: What an unsatisfactory end <laughs> to this story that it's still an open case. Amazing that you know, not only did the IRA manage to disappear a horse, but they also managed to disappear someone's 80 grand. Like, Mm. probably, I I think it might be worth acknowledging, and no accusations uh, to the fine people who work in the police. But at the time, there were many institutions who were uh, infiltrated by the IRA, uh, that you know that might have been a plan as well. You know, to uh... I,
1: I honestly I don't even know if the eighty grand ended up with the IRA though. I, I might have it might have just been a chancer, just a, yeah. just a you know a, a, a crook pretending wow. to know about the IRA. And the thing is, even now, you know this guy Sean O'Callaghan, the supergrass, he said that he, that the horse is buried uh, in this area, but nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to, to dig around because even now people still don't, you know, feel 100% safe uh, saying what they know. And uh, yes, yeah, so even to this day, you know, there's this whole huge mystery about Shergar, um, the Wonder Horse that, that vanished.
0: So we're, are we kind of sure that there's still people out there today, as we record, who know what happened? presumably isn't that wild like to to actually be able to hold on to that information that secret for decades when it's in such public demand Mm. people like would still really love to hear you
1: know i guess if it's you know if you're talking about your personal safety or (laughs) your family's safety then maybe you forget quite quickly man
0: it's such a wild story Matt. Great story. It's so good. Thanks so much for that. And My pleasure. Th- it's it's one of those, though, that, you know, I was expecting you to, because I knew, as we said at the start of the episode, I'd, I'd heard of Shergar, loosely knew the the story, but I thought there'd be a resolution, but I've got way more questions at the end of this episode <laughs> than what I started <laughs> <That's> with, <it. laughs> which is which is, which is is great, I reckon. Um, but thanks so much, Matt, and thanks, listener, for tuning in to another one of the greatest sports stories ever told. Uh, please get in touch with us, um, thewheelersport at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram or Twitter at The Wheel of Sport. And please do uh, share your ideas for episodes or uh, just get in touch. Correct our mistakes. Uh, that's always fun to read. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Matt.
1: Thanks ever so much. Take
0: care. I'm off to uh, investigate <laughs> working as a stud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 88 grand ago. Good luck.
0: Ah, <laughs> we're out.